0: Welcome to the Pilgrims Podcast, the podcast where we pilgrimage through John Bunyan's allegorical classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. Today, you're joined with uh, me, Harry, and Stephen. Yep. And Jordan. Yep. And we're also joined by our very special guest, uh, the Reverend Craig. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amuse you somewhat the damn that I'm fact I'm already into Minister kind of Sacrament I wanted to
0: call you Greg Greg, Greg. <laughs> Greglin <laughs> no, that's even worse I was going to call you Greg Agnew <laughs>
2: <laughs> the long lost son of Noel <laughs> <You>
1: Greg Agnew <laughs> Right, write write down Craig Lynn on a piece of paper.
2: Right. Uh, Harry struggles to remember the name of the podcast.
1: (laughs) Welcome to PC uh, Pilgrims, uh, (laughs) Joe Rogan, or something.
2: (laughs) Okay.
0: uh, Sorry. Um, Off a second. But and today we're joined by a special guest, uh, the Reverend Craig Lynn.
1: Yes, hello. Good evening. How are you doing?
0: Well, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself then? Who are you? Who, who is this guy who's just arrived out of nowhere on our podcast?
2: Who is Greg Agnew? <laughs>
1: uh, Greg Agnew, I can't speak with any authority on, but yes, I'm, I'm Craig Lynn. I'm the minister of Rathcool Presbyterian Church in the Presbytery of North Belfast, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. Um, I am married to Susie, um, and I have two daughters Eliana, who is four, and Adelie, who is two. So that's me. I like eating Chinese food and sitting on my sofa and preaching the word of God on the Lord's day, which is tremendous. So that's basically me.
0: Nice. And uh,
1: I believe you are also a fellow podcaster. Uh, yes, absolutely. I'm the co host of PCI Cast with my. Uh, friend and colleague, the Reverend Ben Preston, who's the mm-hmm. minister of Craigie Hill Presbyterian Church. Uh, yeah, it's an informal kind of thing. Um, it's certainly not like denominationally sanctioned or anything like that, but it's, it's just a labour of love that Ben and I have. Like We're both uh, big podcast listeners. I know um, I've been listening for, for a number of years, like since before it was cool for all like the hipsters and millennials <laughs> listen to podcasts, like I was listening to the podcast years ago because, you know, yeah, basically, yeah. Um, like mini-disc, you know. Yeah. Uh, so no, I've been listening to podcasts for, for years, and, and Ben is kind of similar, so we were both kind of like, why don't we just do a podcast about something we like? And we both realized, well, you know, we're both Presbyterian ministers, so why don't we do uh, a podcast about life and faith in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland? So, um, so yeah, we started that up uh, about six months ago, and it's been great. You know, we've got literally tens of listeners all across uh <laughs> greater belfast no 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 we've got listeners all over kind of ireland folks from kind of churches and uh, different backgrounds people all over the world actually listening which is surprising to us um for being such like a, a niche kind of podcast you know but um uh but yeah it's been good like we we've had some good conversations with folks um folks who would have been you know uh, working in different contexts and pci so we've had um, We've had an assistant minister talking to us. We've had a deaconess talking to us. Rachel Cubitt, obviously, who's deaconess in in your church, Stephen and Harry. Um, we've had some other folks on as well who've been, been interested. We had um, Dr. Daryl Hart on as well. He's... Um, uh, professor of history at, at Hillsdale College in the states, and prolific writer and author and um, biographer of uh, J. Gresham Machen. So we had him on to talk uh, when he was over just before Christmas about uh, you know the nature of confessional Presbyterianism and um, our own history in PCI. You know with um, you know especially around the kind of. Uh, the Greer uh, stuff in the Davy trial back in the uh, kind of uh, the the 1920s. So it was really good to have him on. So, you know, dealing with a whole broad range of stuff, we just had a recent episode there on uh, mental health issues and, you know, talking about suicide rates and stuff. So it really is just lots of kind of different stuff that it's affecting um, the church and life and faith in PCI. So that's that's what we do. So um, all your millions of listeners, it'd be great if you wanted to, to subscribe uh, to that. We're at PCICast on Twitter and if you search P- PCICast on whatever uh, podcast yep. uh, provider you use to listen to uh, Pilgrim's podcast um, you'll certainly find us there. So add us to your menu. It'd uh, be good to have you on board. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
3: Reverend Lynn if I could interject.
1: Yes brother, how are you doing?
3: I am not a Presbyterian can I listen to your podcast?
1: No, you may not. Next <laughs> question. I was kidding. Uh, Yeah, of course. No, listen, we've got uh, folks from uh, a wide range of backgrounds who listen to us. We think we've even got a Baptist. So you know, we're we're very ecumenical um, in in our outlook. So you know, of course, you can absolutely listen. It's it's life and faith in, in PCI, but it's it's very much life and faith for. You know, a lot of Christians and, you know, kind of reformed and evangelical traditions. We're not talking about stuff that's just exclusive to the PCI a lot of the time. Like I say, last episode, um, we were talking about um, mental health issues. And Jordan, you know, from, you know, you and I working in ministry in, in, in Rathcool State, the issues that there are. Um, around um, mental health and, and suicide, and all the different uh, ways that, that social deprivation can, you know, uh, affect people's everyday lives, and how we respond to that as Christians is really important. So, no, of course, you don't have to be Presbyterian to, to listen. So, please, I hope you have added us to your uh, your menu of podcast listening, Jordan. Jordan. Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, it certainly it gets downloaded onto my my feed, and then I
1: delete it quite promptly. Uh, probably, probably wise, probably for the best.
2: So, in terms of uh, Bunyan's allegorical classic, how did you first bump into that?
1: So, uh, I think we were, we were ta- chatting just off uh, mic there before we started recording. You know, I think the first time I ever read it, well, the first version I read was was a kids' version of it. I think um, I I won it as like a League of Church Loyalty prize, aged about <laughs> eight or nine, I think, in the wee prize given given this this wee book. With a, a weird picture of a man with a huge bag on his back called the Pilgrim's Progress. I was like, "What's this? And why is he wearing a weird hat and leggings <laughs> and all this kind of jazz?" Um, so I think that was my first real encounter. And then, uh, you know, cards on the table. I don't think I've I had ever really bumped into it again. I knew the story. I know the kind of basic, broad sweep of uh, of what happens and where Christian goes and ends up and and, and what happens. But um, I, I'll confess, I, I I didn't start reading the proper real original version of the pilgrims uh, progress until you guys started up the podcast so i've been kind of reading it along just chapter by chapter and episode by episode with with you guys in the full version so uh, it's good to be arriving at this kind of stage tonight with uh apollyon because that's where i'm up to in the Excellent. book and um, so it's be, be good to have a a chat this evening with you three absolute pros and experts in in all things bunion oh, well, thank,
3: thank you,
0: you. so Christian is heading down into the Valley of Humiliation after he's just looked over it, and he's walking down
2: and he comes across Apollyon. I noticed that he had uh, three essential elements with him that he's taken from the house. He has a, a loaf of bread, a bottle of wine, and a cluster of raisins, which... I think it's a bit overkill on the grapes, to bring wine and raisins. Mm-hmm. But if he if he runs out of wine, he can make more. He can make more. No, he I can't. Think. Raisins are dried out grapes. They're literally they're dried.
0: So maybe, the wine was made from those raisins.
2: Maybe, but
1: probably not.
3: Or maybe he was just I don't know hungry. <laughs>
1: I wonder, is there any sense that there's um, sacramental imagery here with kind of, you know, bread and wine being two of the things that are included, obviously. um, Bread and wine important for the, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. That's what came to mind when I mm-hmm. read about I don't know what you guys think.
2: Yeah, I think especially since we're, as we talked before, the the House Beautiful is uh, a picture of the church. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he has those things that he was given by the companions from the house. Mm-hmm. And then, as soon as he goes down this valley, it's very clear that this is not going to be fun. It's the valley of humiliation, and immediately he espies a foul fiend coming over the hill to meet him, and his name is Apollyon. What do we make of Apollyon?
1: I think he sounds awesome. I think he sounds, um, he sounds really cool. Like I think <laughs> just to, to look at. Obviously, he's the yeah. he's uh, you know the the bad guy at this scene. But I just think like. You know, if you search um, Apollyon and Pilgrim's Progress in Google, some of the images come up are class. I think it looks amazing.
2: Yeah. Did you see there's a Marvel Comics made a Christian version, yeah. a Christian version, a comic version of the Pilgrim's Progress uh, with this great kind of like dragon hulk of uh, Apollyon.
1: I initially, whenever I was first reading, kind of thought like maybe like the Sarlacc. From Star Wars. But, oh, uh, yeah. Jordan Jordan, you would know all about that, of course. <laughs> oh yeah,
3: that's the big um big spider, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the disappointment. I might that's uh, it's desperate. It's almost I think like Balrog imagery, the way he comes across. Yeah. You know what they awoke in the darkness of This just kind of like a like a humongous, ginormous, monstrous creature, mm-hmm. but he's he's very much uh, described as a a dragony kind of thing, uh, clothed in scales like a fish, and there is pride, really proud of his skills. Um, he had wings like a dragon, feet like a bear, and out of his belly came fire and smoke, and his mouth was the mouth of a lion.
1: Yeah I mean it's it's very similar to um you know the the, the leviathan in mm-hmm. uh, the book of job in job 40 40 or 41 41 um you know uh, there's the there's the uh, allusion there the rows of scales are as pride I mean that's exactly the the word that's words that are used there you know there's mm-hmm. um you know a lot of similarities there
2: and then I think with the 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 other animal aspects of it the dragon the bear the lion that's Revelation and Daniel language Yeah
3: Lions and dragons and bears Oh my,
2: my. <laughs> But yeah you're
1: left in no doubt whatsoever uh, Here is uh, someone, something that is certainly not going to aid Christian yeah. In his journey at
2: this particular point No, no, he's definitely a bad guy
3: and he, qu- he quotes um, Cotton Eye Joe He certainly does in my copy anyway <laughs> where do you come from and, and where do you go?
1: Whence come with you and whither are you bound?
3: Oh, wow.
0: wow. What's, it say
1: your, what's it say in your wee kids version, Harry? <laughs> uh,
2: Sorry, that's dreadful. That's, really that's, that's, that's
0: rude. Uh, I mean, I have uh, the kids version and the proper version out here. So, uh, you know, <laughs> best of both worlds, really. I uh, know the... Uh, Easy breather's version said where did you come from from where are you going so not quite where did you come from where did you go
3: bit adim karnado i've been married a long time ago where did you come from where
1: did you go where did you come from karnado it's definitely called majo i'm totally with jordan <laughs> yeah bit adim karnado i've been married a long time ago
2: where did you come from where did you go where did you come from karnado Here's an interesting thing that I uh, picked up on. Originally, I thought, you know, this is Apollyon. This is uh, an allusion to Satan himself. Beelzebub, as he's described, you know, when when Christian goes through the Wicked Gate and we have Beelzebub's castle near hand. Uh, And then Apollyon here approaches Christian, asks him, you know, are you cutting my Joe and all that? And he says, I perceive that you're one of my subjects. So I thought, yeah, this must mean that this is the the allegorical equivalent of Satan. Yeah. But later on, there was something that, that made me question that. The after the battle was over, and we'll not spoil who who wins it yet, he says, Christian says, Great Beelzebub, the captain of this fiend. So he's an, an underling? Hmm. Would that be right? <coughs> this isn't the big boss buddy.
1: Well, and if you go to if you go to Revelation. You know the imagery of the the, the 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 dragon. You're told Revelation twelve nine, mm-hmm. the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Mm-hmm. So that you know the 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 dragon is equated with Satan here. But I think you're right in what you say there. You know that piece there towards the end of the the battle that's in in um, in meter. Uh, definitely says that Beelzebub is the captain of this thing, so not the not Satan himself, Apollyon. Mm-hmm.
2: Yet he still says here to Apollyon, I perceive you're one of my subjects, for all that country is mine, talking about the city of destruction, and I am the prince and god of it.
3: If I could tell you what KenpulseMusic.com as we have been leaning heavily on on this resource, he says on this subject. Apollyon's reply, that reply about being uh, Christian being one of his subjects, may not be fully understood in our day, especially in the context of the political framework uh, that we have certainly in our country and in the United States. It says Bunyan was born in uh, the 17th century, 1628, during the reign of Charles I. Mm-hmm. And he was later imprisoned, firstly, in 1660, after the monarchy had been restored under Charles II. In Bunyan's day, the subjects of the kingdom were considered the property of the crown. They were owned by the one who ruled. and Because of this, it was against the law for a subject to leave the country and travel outside the king's realm without first petitioning and receiving permission from the king. Today, we think nothing of traveling if we so desire, but in Bunyan's day, it was treason to sneak out of the country. So I don't know, is Apollyon, um, when he claims that Christian's one of his subjects, uh, is Apollyon over the, obviously, the city of destruction?
2: Mm -hmm. In the same way that you need a passport, really, today, still technically... That is issued by Her Majesty.
1: Yeah, and it say I used to work for the Passport Service before I came into ministry, and it's even says in the front of a passport, even to to this day, you know that, you know that w- that the the person bearing this document has to be allowed past without let or hindrance, um, and that is a declaration from Her Majesty even to this day. So that that passport that you have is a is a document which is really kind of backed up by royal yeah. royal authority, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good point, Jordan.
2: So we, I think Apollyon is kind of guilting him into this fact that he's a traitor to his at least original lord. This kind of idea of being um, under the, the headship of Apollyon himself and I think allusions there to Paul writing about uh, the devil being the prince of this world. Uh, But I think Christian's very firm and knows, having come out of the house beautiful, knows what has happened to him, how he's been transformed and and how he's now changed allegiance. And he uses the language of changing allegiance and swearing his allegiance to a greater king. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's this back and forth before the actual battle begins.
0: Yeah, it's a wee bit reminiscent of uh, David and Goliath to a certain point of view from a point uh, of view. There was a bit of jousting going on before they actually well they didn't really fight, I suppose, not. that it was over before it really started, but
1: same idea. It's interesting that in in the back and forth obviously before they the, the attack begins, you know, Christian is clear where his allegiance now lies, you know, <clears throat> um he says I've let myself to another, even to the king of princes um, you know, and again, there's there's biblical language. You know, Jesus is King and K- King of Kings and, uh, and Lord of Lords. So we know that his uh, his allegiance is no longer to the Prince of this world, whom Apollyon mm-hmm. is is representative of, but his allegiance now is to Christ, to the one whom he he saw um, on the cross, who relieved his burden. Um, yeah. you know, and he says, you know, he he, he he alludes to that in his first kind of. One of the first longer things uh, that he says, you know, I was um, I was born indeed in your dominions, but your service was your service was hard, and your wages such as a man could not live on for the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. Again, Romans three twenty three, right there. So it's full of um, you know biblical imagery here, but it's obvious that his allegiance now has shifted um, to to Christ, who is King. Yeah. Uh, and not himself. And he speaks more about Jesus than he does about himself. Yeah, yeah. In these in this back and forth here. You know, he's not talking about himself as much as he's talking about the one who has relieved him of his burden, which I think is amazing.
2: It is because like, you get Apollyon trying to be slippery and throw it back at him, he says, you know, Yeah, you're you're no different from anyone else. It is ordinary for those who profess themselves to be his servants after a while to give him the slip and return again to me. You know, he kind of tries to undercut all that he says and all that's happened saying, you know, this is a fad. You're gonna call quits. And yet you're right. It's it's not based on Christian himself. It's it's pure confidence in the king of princes and the lord of the celestial city.
1: That's one of the the tactics that The evil one has been using since the very dawn of time. since before the fall. The first encounter with him in the garden, Genesis Mm -hmm. 3. What's he said to Eve, you will not surely die. You know, he's being slippery with his words. He's trying to um, to twist what uh, the truth is, to twist what the Lord has said back in that Genesis context. And we see Apollyon doing exactly the same thing here.
3: Yeah. And uh, it's an interesting choice of words to give him the slip because just before... Well, Christian does the exact same. I mean, Christian slips as he's going into the into the valley. Is that right? Yeah, he tumbles down. He tumbles down. So it's a, it's a. It's, I don't know if it's a. It's probably put definitely is on purpose. Like do you know what I mean, let's <laughs> if, give John Bunyan the credit that he deserves. You know, clever, a uh, play on words.
2: We oh, he was about a good writer. The- yeah, I love what Christian says to him. Later on, he says, "I like." his service talking about uh the lord i like his service his wages his servants his government his company and country better than yours and therefore leave off to perceive me further i am his servant and i will follow him can you imagine like off the top of your head in the midst of fighting apollyon being able to rattle off all these things that you find much more appealing much more attractive than sin and the enemy. His servants, his wages, even his servants, the church Christians, I even like other Christians better.
1: I really like, even just from a completely personal perspective, what Apolline says to him straight away after that, Stephen, he says, consider again when thou art in cool blood blah 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 it's just like i'd love to incorporate that in the uh, conversation with someone who's getting a bit heated sometimes you know <laughs> that's that, that's the that's the the 17th century puritan way of saying simmer down mate you know <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm definitely going to try and uh, tell someone to consider again when thou art in cool blood and <laughs> see how that gets the conversation going next time there's a row about something you know? yes <laughs>
2: And then Napoleon throws in his face everything that's happened so far. the mm. How he choked at the gulf of despond. How he went the wrong way to get rid of his burdens. How he sinfully slept and lost his choice thing. How he was almost persuaded to go back. And how he is inwardly desirous of vain glory in all that you say or do. And you, you, know, you can feel those having travelled this journey with Christians so far. You can feel that, oh, you're right. That was foolish, that was a mistake, that was, even after having come out of the house beautiful and seeing all that we've seen in that house and the conversations that took place, the sense even maybe of pride that wells up. And it reminded me of that Luther quote.
1: So when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this. I admit that I deserve death and hell, what of it?
3: For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction in my behalf. His name is
0: Jesus Christ, Son of God. Where he is there, I shall be also.
2: I think a Christian. Quotes. Near enough, he says, Yeah, it's all true. But the prince who I serve and honour is merciful and ready to forgive.
1: Yeah, it's a really good explanation of the, the doctrine of justification by yeah. grace through faith, without a doubt here. You know, um, the devil sorry Apollyon in you know bringing all of these failings uh the mind and bringing all of uh, his sin uh, and pointing it all out uh, still Christian can stand and say yeah but Jesus is my Lord and he died for me and took that away and I don't have this burden on my back anymore so come on big man let's see what you've got you know I think it's just class it's absolutely brilliant
2: And that just stokes Apollyon. You you can see afterwards Apollyon breaks out in a grievous rage. it's so cross.
1: He hates it. Isn't that interesting though? You know, whenever Christian with capital C here or, Mm -hmm. you know, any Christian whatsoever, you, me, any of your listeners... You know whenever we understand that we are sinners, of course we are, but we are justified sinners. Yes, whenever we understand that, that makes the devil cross Isn't that class.
2: It's brilliant because there's nothing he can say. You can say, Well, what about this? What about this? and he said, Yeah, yeah, but that's all being paid for. Amen.
3: Apollyon's uh, attacks uh, start off pretty broad, but they get more and more uh, personal. Mm-hmm. Apollyon. Yeah. Uh, wants to strike down upon him with great, great vengeance, vengeance and furious, and
1: furious anger. anger. All those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers.
0: Those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers.
1: <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down, brother. Good
3: man, good man.
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it, that, that's really important, you know, um, understanding that, you know, his justification, that act, of God's free grace but also then his sanctification as well that work of God's free grace in his life he, he understands I think even at this point you know that's not a finished work yeah that sanctification that's 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 ongoing he's like mate I know but mm-hmm. nevertheless Christ has paid my debt yeah. I mean you know uh, the, you know take it out of Pilgrim's Progress a I minute mean, you know by what that means for everyday Christians the fact that we are justified adopted and then that process of sanctification which will ultimately lead to to glorification is so important for us to understand it's so important for christians to understand that of course we will mess up of course we will just like our our brother christian will will we'll fall into the slough of the spawn we'll sleep too long and hell difficulty will um you know we'll, we'll try and find other ways to relieve our burden but whenever we return to christ whenever we um, focus on him and who he is and what he's done for us when we remember that, that's where we'll find strength when we remember that, that's when the devil gets cross, you know, he
2: gets very cross very cross and and he, the the certainty of the celestial city is right there and he recognises he's not there yet, but it's certain Yeah, and he says, Apollyon, beware of what you do, for I am in the king's highway, I am on the way of holiness therefore, take heed of yourself you know, catch yourself on, is basically what that means you know, even even in the Valley of Humiliation, he recognises his feet are firmly secure on the king's highway.
1: And then Apollyon goes full Gandalf on him here. Thou shalt go no further. Prepare to die. You
0: shall not pass! You
1: know
3: but, but yeah. the, the the mask slips does not it I mean it's it's not a, it's not that far behind the Napoleon says look the best that our country can afford i promise to give you you know if you if you'll return again to me then all shall be well for you and just a couple of paragraphs down then he says look i have come out on purpose to destroy you you know the mask slips and the, his his real intentions are are made clear as christian uh, has batted away uh, for a six every attack ...that Apollyon's thrown at him.
2: Yeah. I will spill your soul. Which is terrifying. You know, if this is a monster with fire and smoke... ...the smoke's coming out of his ears at the minute.
3: <laughs> with a <the> kettle noise. <laughs> yeah.
1: Always loved even in the... Uh, we, we mentioned the Balrog earlier on... ...you know, in the, the Peter Jackson uh, mm-hmm. trilogy... Lord of the Rings... ...whenever the Balrog roars... ...like it's not really a roar... ...it's the sound of this raging furnace... and that's without a doubt the image that i've you know i i've got when i'm reading uh, at this point you know this you know balrog standing um you know toe-to-toe with this you know wee tiny figure here who you know for all intents and purposes looks like he doesn't stand a chance
2: yeah and then we get into the fight it's action time
1: it was time to bestir him
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we've got flaming darts flying references to ephesians 6. Mm -hmm. We've got, I think, probably a a similar sort of stuff that was fired maybe at the wicket gate as well. Those uh, shots of arrows that whenever um, Goodwill pulled them in, these are maybe the same kind of ammunition. But Christian has his shield. Hmm. He goes
1: full 300 here. (laughs) 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 Throwing darts as thick as hail, Apollyon's going on. So just imagine a completely ripped and shredded... Uh, Christian looking a bit like Jared Butler here.
2: (laughs) With CGI pecs.
1: Yes, with his 16-pack abs. (laughs) (laughs) This is Sparta!
2: And yet, um, like, Bunyan doesn't pull any punches. Christian doesn't get out of this with Scott Free. No. He, Apollyon wounds him in his head, his hand and foot. And this made Christian give a little back.
3: Apparently he was wounded on his head, his shoulders, knees and toes. (laughs)
2: Knees and toes, and eyes,
3: and ears, mouth.
0: Come on, Harry. And nose.
3: Harry, are you sleeping? (laughs) Oh man, I didn't know. I didn't know.
0: You know, I was supposed to hit up with nose there. (laughs)
3: Um, No, I'm talking about in general over the past like twenty minutes.
0: (laughs) You guys have just been. You
1: guys have just been discussing away. You know, uh. (laughs) Harry's just resting in the uh, the city is attained chapter. He's. his process of sanctifications is on and he's sitting there.
3: <laughs> it's more likely he left his scroll behind and he was way back to get it.
1: But... Yeah. You know what I was thinking though?
0: See the way it, uh, the battle actually goes on for half a day. Yeah. Like, when you just watch it in the film or you just think about, you always just think of this like, oh, like in the movies, you know, there's just like five minute fight and then that's it. But yeah. It goes on for half a day. So, you know, it's a long old... It's a long old slog.
2: Yeah. It's interesting that when his sword flies out of his hand, that's when Apollyon says, I am sure of you now. Like, I've got you. He almost pressed him to death at that point. You know, and, and you can see Christian nimbly stretching out his hand for the sword, trying to find it. And he manages to catch it. But, you know, it's it's whenever he loses his sword that Apollyon thinks, oh, well, I've got you now. Yeah,
1: I think, you know, whenever... Christian loses grip on God's word, that's when the devil spies his opportunity um, and it seems probably, it seems definitely true for us when we um, aren't holding fast anymore to uh, you know, the truths uh, of, of God's word um, in our own lives, in our own uh, sanctification, in our own discipleship, then that's when the devil, the evil one sees his opportunity in our own lives as well so I think that's probably what he's trying to yeah. To say there, I mean we're all in spiritual warfare from the moment the Lord saves us um, until our, our our closing breath, and this is ultimately what's being pictured yeah. in um, yeah. in this battle here with Apollyon. Um, and Bunyan's trying to say to us, uh, as his brothers and sisters here are reading this, folks, hold on to the Word of God because that's your one offensive weapon, and we see that in Ephesians six as well. You know, mm-hmm. every, all it's the full armor of God and the one offensive weapon that the Christian uh, is given is the, the sword of the spirit of the word of God, you know that's the yeah. one weapon we have to fight back so we've got to hold on to it, we've got to know it we've got to know how to wield it and know how to use it properly and whenever we don't know how to do that is when the devil can strike
3: It's really about most importance the The, the battle's lost and won with the possession of, of the sword here he's well, at yeah. his weakest when when he loses his grip on the sword and it's only when he sort of revived and he, he takes it up again, that's when the, the the tide turns. And even when he says, look when I fall I will I will arise I mean that's a it's a promise from, from Micah. You know, it's not just something that sounds like something that as you say JR Butler might say, you know, this
2: is Sparta
3: That was Sean Connery actually, but sure <laughs> we'll say that.
2: Excellent impression This is Sparta
3: <laughs> You know, but when I fall I will I will arise
1: that's it but when we do we see clearly in God's word and we see uh, in this allegory here of Bunions is when we pick that sword back up again that we will have all that we need to uh, not only defend but also to to fight back against uh, the the, the evil schemes of the the devil or Apollyon
2: yeah one deadly thrust that's all it takes and that's his mortal wound and with that Apollyon spreads forth his dragon wings and sped him away, and Christian for a season saw him no more, which is a bit ominous. That it's for a season, the fight's over, but he's still wrecked, and it's quite
3: fitting. And it, it book ends uh, this portion of the book that he sits down with his bread and his wine that he was given at the palace
2: beautiful. That's a sustenance isn't
1: it yeah absolutely you see the again the sacramental imagery coming forward there he refreshes himself with bread and wine obviously in our our, our church context we know that we are refreshed you know whenever we gather uh, on the Lord's day when we celebrate the the Lord's Supper and as we feed spiritually on christ we're we're refreshed
2: yeah yeah and the leaves of the tree of life the real Strong image from Revelation there of healing. And he's he's safe for now. He met no other affront from Apollyon quite through this valley.
3: And you know, when the battle's over, Christian's first words that are recorded here, when the battle's over is I'm here I'm gonna give thanks to him who has delivered me out of the mouth of the lion and to him who helped me against Apollyon. It wasn't it wasn't that he thought or he was overconfident, or he was confident, overconfident, or confident,
2: overconfident, or confident in himself.
3: Yeah, that's what I mean. It wasn't that he was, you know, giving himself a pat in the back. yeah yeah. But he was given thanks for that victory, and he he's refreshed, as you say, he's he's healed, and then he goes on again, he continues on his journey, and we see that perseverance mm-hmm. that we've seen so often uh, this side of the cross, this bounce back ability as Ian Dyer would
1: say Excellent reference
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to us uh, Join us again uh, in a couple of weeks time when Krishna will be going through the valley of the shadow of death um, Feel free to check out Craig's podcast at PCIcast and feel free to of our podcast the pilgrims podcast or we follow uh or whatever you do on instagram
2: (laughs) you have no idea
3: do you no absolutely not a clue um and one thing as well sorry sorry to cut you off harry but i'm really looking forward to the next uh the next episode with uh in the valley in the valley of the shadow of death because we find I don't know if it's in your version, guys, but the the song that that Christian pens as he's he's going through, is it in your version? I'll read it out here. It says, As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's not much left. 'Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone, <laughs> but I ain't ever crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Maybe treated like a punk, but you know that's unheard of. You better watch how you're walking and where you're talking, or you and your homies might be lying in chopped. I really get the trip, but I gotta look as I lower myself that in the business smoke smoke. Oh, I'm I'm the the kind of I'm like the night
0: Saying prayers in the street line.
3: So, uh, Can I hang up
2: here?
0: Yeah, thanks for that, Jordan. That was, you know,
3: <laughs> such
0: a good use of 20 seconds of my life there. I, just, yeah, I mean, I was halfway through the outro there. You just, <laughs> like, I don't even know where I was.
3: Sorry, just start again. Sorry.
0: No, it's okay. <laughs> Stephen will just edit that out.
1: <laughs> no, he won't. <laughs>
2: oh, there. Well, where, where should I go from then? Uh, give us uh, Craig's Twitter details and uh, tell him to review our podcast and review Craig's as well um, and things uh, like out there
0: so uh, feel free to check out Craig's podcast
3: you
0: Jordan do you want to hang up there hi that's <laughs> me I'm done I'm done okay I'm sure you are I
1: thought it was lovely Jordan
3: Thanks Craig thanks you can come back all right. <laughs> in feel fact just
1: just space open yeah. <laughs> gladly
0: feel free to check out Greg Agnew's
1: podcast at PCICast cast you can also follow me on twitter at rookie minister if you're so inclined um mostly dank memes and gifs <laughs> um, and cast and shade but uh, yeah feel free
3: mm-hmm. i mean i'm not i'm not going to point any elbows um uh, but greg <laughs> You don't follow me. I follow you and, and regularly <laughs> regularly chuckle or at least exhale through my nose.
1: You're uh, Nad Rog, aren't you? Isn't that you? Nad Rog Neil. There you go, mate. There's a wee follow for you. That's your wee you follower
2: count up to nine now. He's a Russian bud. Don't follow him. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks,
3: Greg. Bye. Goodbye.